0: well, look who's here. Hello. How are you? It's nice to see you, son. What's the trouble? What can we do for you? Well, the music's good, but what about some old-time Waltz
1: tunes? Some old-time Waltz tunes? Yes. I'll see you hey, do you know any old-time Waltz tunes? Well, let's have some. Come on, and Grandpa, you sing with us, too. Come on, Grandpa. let <laughs>
2: Thank you very much indeed, and good evening and welcome. <laughs> uh, just before we start this, yeah. Let's
3: hear one of your classic poems, shall we? One of our classic poems? Yeah, I'll tell you a beauty The A poem well defined, I'd rather call it a list. Jail cell for a mind and tongue all in a twist. Inside a snail shall blind, it's the nature of crunch time. I'm usually the silent kind waiting in the lunch line. We even the misfits play fair with their wisps of grey hair. Summer's made its way here for Christmas Day cheer. Dipping disprins and beer, a tray of biscuit reindeer. Mystics praying a Christian here. cause they missed the train to the square. These hissing machines run on the bridge of an oily cloth, it boils and frost, while chefs spoil the broth, that royal bit sloth, gargoyles and goths, embroiled in a wrath, tying a boy on a cross, with a zen-like radiance and courageous intent, not afraid to take a pen to the feelings of men, with one mind and a restless heart, is had some time to perfect the art If I pressed a mask on and dressed up smart today Would you bless my past off and guess the part I played? It's a tragic scene At the start of an act Betraying a dream Crushing the heart of a chap Buttering his mind from behind Sliding doors The rising cost of fighting wars Blind and lost on island shores Lines embossed from silent wars What is this cause we're speaking of? The love of freedom, or the freedom to love Cause it's neither when you take the unity from community Let's take this lunacy and launch it to the blue
4: Welcome to The Space Between on today's episode, we're talking to Jody Lloyd, a.k.a. Trillian Branson, a prolific New Zealand hip-hop artist. Jody and I met quite a few years ago through the Melbourne music scene, and uh, this interview we recorded back, it would have been late 2013, early 2014, somewhere around then. And since then, he's been traveling around, I believe, Southeast Asia, searching for the perfect frequency. So, um, a lot has happened since this interview, but this is more of a a history into uh, where he got started, uh, the trials and tribulations of a natural accented artist in the New Zealand hip hop scene, which surprisingly enough is not very common. Now to start the show, we had a track from his album Silent Invisible. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite album of his. and. Just to lead you into the podcast, we have a track called Empty Hands, which is off a a release of his called Loops of Love. Beautiful, beautiful CD. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. that's all good and we can leave it again on this a little bit more does that sound funny, you guys yeah it's all good wow Mr. Trillion do we call you Trillion do we call you Jody? what's what's the what's the public uh, face of your bearded self you can call me whatever you want oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't offer me that kind of freedom <laughs> baby <laughs>
5: you can call me Susan if it makes you happy
4: <laughs> cool well Um, Yeah, so (laughs) with us today, we have Jody, aka Trillian Branson. How are you doing today?
6: I'm very well, thank you. That's good.
4: (laughs) And also we have, would you like to introduce yourself for this podcast? Uh, I'm miscellaneous. We have miscellaneous in the house as well. But um, yeah, so just to start with, can we get an idea of of who you are? Because I know know you through like seeing you at gigs in Melbourne and that kind of thing and have a, a vague understanding of your history back in your motherland, mm. but um, yeah, what's, what's the deal with Shall We Write Records and, and how would you get into this whole music caper and sound in general?
6: Well, I moved to Melbourne almost six years ago, um, so I would have seen you probably right at the beginning of that, um, but before that, my music life began when I was about 19 or 20, when I won a rap competition.
4: Really? What, what was the rap competition?
6: This was in 1992. <laughs> How old are you?
4: <laughs> I was seven at the time.
6: Uh, um, it, rap was pretty fresh around r- then. Um, I come from Christchurch, which is in the South Island of New Zealand, and it's quite white, kind of rural, kind of city. Maybe a bit like Adelaide. Um, yeah, I guess it was quite unusual for people to rap. Um, it's not really seen as a career, a career choice.
4: (laughs) You know, shit. And like, what was this competition? Was it just, was it freestyling or was it like a writing a song?
6: It was pre-written. It was, it was just performing a song really a bit like idol Type of thing. Put on your backing track and start rapping. Do you remember the song? Yeah. It was the first song I wrote.
4: Were you were you more gangster back in those days? Or I
6: was. The song was called, um, the song was based on a Cat Stevens um, song called I'm Gonna Get Me a Gun. Cool. Don't know if you've heard that. No. I'm gonna get me a gun. <laughs> and so I wrote a rap. Kind of based around that idea. Sweet. (laughs) And it was all about, um, because I I was a bit of a kind of weirdo teenager and growing up in a a city with a lot of kind of rugby and fighting and bogans and munters, um, I would get kind of picked on and beaten up all the time. And so the song was about that I'm going to get me a gun.
4: And get your vengeance yeah
6: and you know you won't pick on me you won't pick on me anymore because i'll just pull out this gun
4: and it resonated with the audience they were also fellow uh, victims of bullying who who had uh...
6: i'm not sure if um people really took much notice of the lyrics and um another time when i performed the same song a few weeks later a woman came up to me and accused me of plagiarism and for stealing Somebody else's song
5: From Cat Stevens
6: <laughs> No no ah. Like <laughs> she, she thought that I actually stole Some kind of American Gangster Black rapper Kind of was Someone else's song
4: Was she Was this another competition That you were entering Or was this just another No just it was
6: just sort of at a, at a dance party type thing
4: Okay So She didn't understand The nature of hip hop obviously
6: No so. No I also used to do it over this instrumental With um, a trumpet solo In in the instrumental And um, I had this old trumpet that didn't work (laughs) I I used to just pull it out and mime the trumpet (laughs) People thought that I was really playing
4: it Awesome So that sounds like, is it not Britney, it's um one of those teen idols I think it was Marley Cyrus or one of those kids but also that's so before anyone was like pretending to laptop DJ you were right on that shit yeah "Yeah."
6: I was on on the the fake trumpet
4: did you ever get like did anyone try to book you for trumpet no but people
6: would say oh man that was a great trumpet solo
4: (laughs) and you never burst the bubble
6: (laughs) (laughs) it's the first rule isn't it don't burst the bubble
4: The magician never reveals
6: his secrets kind of thing. So then after that, um, it was a bit boring being a solo MC. Um, So there was a guy I used to see kind of kicking around town who was a friend of a friend. And he looked like the only Latino kind of rapper type guy in town. Cool. And I was like, we've got to start, you know, You've got to start rapping he was like man i'm not I'm not interested. He was into skateboarding and stuff um, so then I'd see this guy around town and and then um, I got his phone number of someone and I, I phoned him up and said, "Do you want to start a rap crew with yeah. me?" He was like no i'm not not interested <laughs> and then every every week, I'll just phone him again on the weekend. So have you decided. To be in my rap crew. <laughs> and it took three months, pretty much three months of me pestering him. And then eventually he was like, all right, let's get together and we'll see if we can write something together.
1: White with the baggies showing like a sheep but I ain't got the taggies I'm not bragging And I've never killed a man Fake rappers you might say But we don't give a damn No ham in my sandwich Just leafy greens sway swaying layers with the gobblestip sinks Tag team sets a tag Round rag, mine Down with the wine White for fun, man Oh man that's fine We got it, you get it White for fun, man Oh man that's fine We got it, you get it
6: and um so we got together and started writing and then that kind of eventually evolved into new zealand's first kiwi accent rap crew really dark tower
4: no shit yeah so i'm I'm guessing there was a whole bunch of other rappers around but they were rapping with with american accents which seems to be still pretty common amongst um yeah amongst
6: hip-hop and rap in new zealand yeah. Yeah, it's unusual. So we were quite staunch in the beginning. I um, I admit that because we didn't have any kind of local influences. Uh, our rap influences were American. There was an American style and um inflection in our voices.
4: What was the subject matter?
6: <clears throat> Fairly American. Subject matter was was totally New Zealand. Totally local. We, we evolved to embrace our own voices quite quickly. So we released some songs and made some videos and we were kind of a bit popular in a cultish kind of way. Underground, um, we got some really good reviews um, and then we played The Big Day Out in Auckland which was quite um amazing for um some rappers from christchurch to go to auckland it's sort of like living in i don't know canberra and getting to play the sydney big day out
4: yeah no shit
6: and then things sort of evolved fairly quickly from there and we ended up opening um, for the Bloodhound Gang and two, their two New Zealand gigs. And then at the, fi- the final gig were A&R and people from Universal. And um, I got talking to a woman, an A&R woman, and she was like, man, we really like your stuff. Um, you should send us. We're really keen to sign you, but we want, want to hear your recordings. And at the time, um, I'd been working on an album with a whole lot of Christchurch musicians, sort of like a collaboration project. So I'd been working on this um, album, which I got some funding for, um, from Creative New Zealand, which is like the Arts Council funding. Um, And I had pretty much almost completed this album with um, about 10 or 12 Christchurch musicians, including my dad and my sister and a bunch of people. So I sent the the, demo to Universal, and they were like, yeah, we really like it. We'd like to put it out. And can you come up and sign? The deal
4: which year is this like how how long since your the inception of your rap career this was
6: like 97 uh, uh, 97 97 98 so i started dark tower began in 93 um it was quite difficult to record back then so it took a long time we had to go into studios and pay people and so our first EP came out in 1995. Um, so yeah, it was roughly two years after the first Dark Tower release.
7: Children, time to run along to bed now. Oh, can't we have just one more
2: song. we well, Are we going to take a microphone into a
0: crowd? <laughs>
7: For many generations, children everywhere have had their own storylines. We're
2: children under six. We live in a different world.
5: i Discuss your ideas and feelings with your friends and write a poem or a descriptive paragraph about your story. We're going to hear two poems.
2: Aren't you the boy the teacher told me about who has the poem? Let me hear it.
3: We move to the city. When I was 10, two hands of birthday, so I started all over again. After school was always on after school. My dad was on it, he carved a carrot into a whistle. Saturday morning, on my chopper, down to the dairy for a dipper or a topper And a 20 cent mixture would last till the end of The day went back when copper coins were legal tender Stealing glass bottles from the back of the corner shop Then back to the front for the cash refund swap No trespassing, that's where I'll explore An old empty house was too good to ignore For an adventurous land, there was never enough daylight Losing friends, making them cry when I'd play fight I knew the land like the back of my hand best out and escape room plans man, the railway line was my backyard, my playground industrial factories and back parts finding things and nicking stuff running from my folks to avoid a kick in the chop. I can't change the things that I did why should I man, I was only a kid I crossed my first ocean when
1: I was four, saw a red belly snake and chased it out the door all them led to playing up and chucking matches in a bowl of necks and setting 'Cause each day was so hot, and never met it with the adults approved. Just as I got used to it, we moved, locked in the trap at the top of a bed. hill life in a shut shell, dropped in and, and still, escaping at night with my mind.
5: light-hearted approach to rapping though has put the dark tower duo offside with other perhaps more purist hip-hop groups in the country
6: um, so yeah it was roughly two years after the first dark tower release
4: were you guys just rocking beats or were you doing more sort of like live band kind of instrumentation shit?
6: it was all mm, we had dat tapes with our backing tracks on i, I was completely unmusical when i began and un-technological and I tried to kind of team up with different producers in the city and none none of them really kind of the one guy was an industrial kind of um, goth beat kind of maker and another guy was more into kind of dancey music so there was not really any one that I gelled with who could translate my ideas. So I ended up um, using some money that I inherited from my granddad when he died, which was supposed to be only used for travel or education. Um, So I kind of bent the rules and said that this is education.
4: Yeah, it's education of the streets. (laughs)
6: Um, And then I, I got my first sampler and I got an Atari computer with um c lab creator um, triggering the sampler okay so it wasn't a computer that you can record things into it's purely just a um, a sequencer on one of those old glass monitors tiny with you know
4: well, like I'm,
5: the first computers?
4: Yeah, I'm not so familiar with it, but do you, is this kind of technology something that you...
5: I still have a sampler that runs on quarter-inch floppy. Whatever, yeah,
6: 1.4. Yeah, well, this one had floppy, it, it, and it had could hold eight samples. <laughs> Mine holds 12. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pretty much taught myself um, how to sequence... Things and how to make the most out of using eight sounds.
2: Forbodings, shadow of fear blankets the earth. The most talked-about thing. It's, it stands, stands sentinel for our way of life. Sim, 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 symbol of strength, guarding the peace. Standing near the cornfield it occupies a place in the minds of all thinking men of every race and creed in every country. Symbol of protection to all men who are free, it is symbol of hope to all, all who dream of peace. It stands like a giant finger of warning. We'll, we'll enter through the south gate, to the rest of the, to the, to the, mainland, to the mainland, along the eastern shoreline. Searchlights are seen in the distance,
8: and red warning lights. North and still several miles away, we see a great town. It is so large that it dwarfs all the rest. Now the wind change is blowing through the town. It doesn't fit the facts. Well scrap it it and find one that does fit. That's what's wrong with the world at present. It scraps its obsolete steam engines and dynamos, but it won't scrap its old prejudices, its old moralities, its old religions, and its old political constitutions.
9: Justify yourself. Show me some light through the dark.
4: Yeah, so with this sampler, like how long could the sounds be? Were they,
6: Um, were they loops? Did you do loops and stuff or did you You just have to? Everything pretty much was loops.
4: So you'd record like a drum loop of something else, put it onto a sample trigger, play that as one of your eight sounds. And then? Then
6: add, put a bass line in and play that as one of my sounds. Put some guitar or piano sample. That's, we're up to three sounds already. (laughs) So what extra snare, that's another another sound.
4: Would you did you focus mainly on loops or did you play some of it live? Like, did you actually like sort of trigger some stuff? It was to mostly go? all loops, all loops.
6: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So jumping forward. Oh, at that time, um, a guy moved into my flat who was like super sweet keyboardist technological computer kind of nerdy guy like a a musical nerd and yeah he he taught me a lot of stuff um, especially about recording on computer and sequencing and just thinking about things in a deeper way than just a few loops and more of a musical way a, a keyboardist way so he ended up producing um, or co-producing with me the first Dark Tower E.P. Um, and he was the engineer. When we booked the studio, we the cheapest way to record was at night, so we'd go into the studio at um, sort of like eight o'clock at night or something, and then work till six o'clock in the morning all night um, and that was two hundred and fifty dollars a night.
4: And so, this money, like when you got signed, what was the were they just giving you cash to record with, or what, what um, kind of deals did they have back then?
6: The signing was a licensing, so it was um, I provide I provide the the package, and they'll print it and promote it and distribute it yeah okay
4: so no help was with recording and stuff like no. that was all coming out of your own pocket yeah
6: well own pocket but um, grants like around the time there was quite a lot of help for fresh innovative New Zealand focused things as far as funding now the funding seems to all go to things that fit into the um, commercial radio format.
4: Yeah, really? So, because, I mean, in Australia it seems like mostly grants are, are geared around, like, uh, like disability or Indigenous or, like, you know, like a certain kind of interest group, I guess, or a minority group or, you know, at-risk group. Um, but whereas in New Zealand they're more interested in, like, trying to make people famous, is that kind
8: of... The Pretty much.
4: Like, we're New Zealand, we're a real country too!
6: They're trying to... Um It's deep. It's a political thing. Like, there is funding for um, local Indigenous, and, like, if you're a woman and Indigenous, you get more chance of getting money. But the main focus is trying to um, generate, um, you know, using grants as as not to support anything unique. It's using grants to generate income for the country.
5: Yeah, well, It's almost like using grants to generate auditions for the industry. It's Pretty like much. you have some money and you can make something and try and prove yourself to the people in the industry, get into the industry yeah. and therefore grow the industry. Yeah, Like free money to make ads
6: for your company. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, basically the government made a deal with commercial radio that they would never enforce a quota of local radio play content. So what does that mean? Though? So to counter that, instead of forcing them to play a certain amount of New Zealand music, they just set up a system where they would try and make the music fit into the commercial realm. Ah, yeah. So, so the creative people had to bend to the commercial if they were going to get funding rather than the commercial um, bending over to what the people were interested in.
4: Yeah, because I understand, like, I think Triple J has some kind of quota, or does every every radio station in Australia has a quota of Australian music they have to play or something?
5: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but we're funny with that stuff. Like, uh, uh, ro-
4: roll
6: that John Farnham 20 times a day. <laughs> <That's it. laughs>
5: I think... Uh, still in Australian basketball, there's a limit to how many uh, non-Australian citizens you can have in your team. Uh, because otherwise, th- we wouldn't be watching Australians play, we'd be watching all uh, international people play. So they had these rules so that, you know, so we get to watch ourselves a bit, it seems a bit, I don't know, juvenile?
4: Well, yeah, I guess it depends if you're sort of into Aussie made, Aussie owned, Aussie, Aussie products being like a you know, something that's good for the country. And I guess an uh, Aussie basketballer is one of those products. Yeah, I guess. Or,
5: or if you believe in, you know, capitalism and the free market and, you know.
4: So Kurt, our mate Kurt would be, like, he'd have a team of nothing but Brazilians and Ecuadorians. Or
5: well, I think he would go on in some kind of meritocracy, you know, like, just get the best people for the, the job. Yeah. Mm. And entertainment is part of that job. But anyway, we it. <laughs> <laughs> it's
6: interesting, because then. In There's no real kind of um, country
5: alignments if all the teams are international. Hmm, Well that's kind of happening in cricket now. So many people are changing nationalities and it's not really... It's um, just who you're paid by.
4: Yeah, fundamentally. So they just get citizenship in the country and they're good? Oh, that's awesome. How funny is it? You get the, the fastest way to
5: become a citizen of a country. Is to be able to hit a ball really well. <laughs> <laughs> or jump
4: really high. Or <laughs> run really fast. Though. Australia's priorities have always been pretty, <laughs> pretty solid in that regard. Yeah, we,
5: we like to swimming. If you can swim real fast. Because we're an island, you know, we're, we're sensitive about that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get that oil from Indonesia.
5: They should be doing trials with the...
6: Um, refugees and stuff there might be some amazing athletes <laughs> that they're just missing out on
4: is that why they're deliberately seeking the boats they're just like let's see how these guys go <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> Have we, got any potential we need some good swimmers
5: in the crowd tonight they probably do screen them actually for like for superheroes or you know people with superpowers or whatever.
4: i reckon you don't I, I would baxter detaches to <laughs> 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 what is the superhero screening test for a potential refugee yeah, i don't know you make them
5: real uncomfortable and see who's still happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: But anyway. <clears throat> Fuck. Uh yeah, so anyway, so you're making crazy ass beats uh, with this new housemate of yours?
6: Yeah. Um So then he actually she, he he worked on that the collaboration album with me, the one that Universal signed so then the people at universal said you should come to auckland because um you're too far away and you need to be part of the scene here if you're gonna make it in new zealand (laughs) Um, so it took me about six months to get up there and then i was there for almost five years and pretty much as soon as we got there, started getting all these good gigs and going on TV appearances and and like getting more, getting a few more video grants and...
4: And is this just you and... I'd like the name of this uh, unknown Latino gentleman so I don't seem horrendously racist. His name's Eli, Eli. but he's actually half Tongan. Ah. He
6: just just looked Latino. Uh, There was was a joke. (laughs) <laughs> Who's the only Latino rapper in New Zealand? It's Eli from Dark
4: Tower. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, so it's just you and Eli and your and your machine. Like, is that was that what you were touring with? Um,
6: yeah, we went from having all our backing tracks on DAT tape to we. Once um, CD burning came out, there was one place in New Zealand that could burn a CD, <laughs> and I, I sent my the DAT tape to because we had we had a lot of problems using the DAT tape. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it would just cut out in the middle of the set. One time we were doing a gig where all the lights in the place were triggered on this triggered by the sound. Um. And then our dat tape just stopped. And then <laughs> <laughs> the whole place went dark. I was like, oh no, someone's turned the power off.
4: We're in the tower! We're in the tower! The dark tower.
6: But it was quite good because we, we could just blame it on a power thing rather than our faulty <laughs> dat player.
4: Never admit.
6: So once I found out that, that there was a CD burner in the country, <laughs> I sent our backing tape... <laughs> to the studio and they burnt a CD for us. And I think it cost about $400 or something or $600 to get one CD burnt. Um, So we had that for quite a while and I kept it in a really
4: I kept it really safe because it was really expensive. Because What is this? Because like I mean like we were burning CDs in our home computers in like 2000 and even before then, like this would be like 1996. Holy shit! Like, was it just because they had a monopoly? Like, how did they get away with charging six hundred dollars? Because it was
5: the first one in the country, yeah. and because it's like printing vinyl back then.
6: Mm. You
4: know, it was like that was it was, like was gold a new
6: vinyl. It was a, it was a gold CD. I don't know if it actually had gold in it. <laughs> I thought it did, like a, like a
4: TDK <laughs> gold CD. Is that what we're talking about? Here? It was Sony, I think. Yeah, I okay. don't know. Yeah. 5
6: bucks for 20 now. So then um MiniDisc came out and then we moved I moved all of our backing stuff up to MiniDisc which was far easier to record. This was e- even before CDs were accessibly recordable. Um Yeah, and then we moved to CDs.
4: And at this point because like, from my understanding like of your history with this Shelby Wright Records and stuff, I, I know of Billy Wilson and I know of some of So
6: Shelby Wright Records began in 1997 because to to get funding um, you had to have a record label. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, we'll ju- I'll just invent one, invent, invent our own one, have it on the, the form. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, And then She'll Be Right Records licensed the album to Universal. So it all looked kind of professional on paper. Um, And then the only She'll Be Right things were Dark Tower and my stuff. Then once we were in Auckland, we did a lot of gigs, we started getting a bit popular, we started getting a lot of hate. F- from the local hip-hop scene and the radio stations that um, supported the local hip-hop scene didn't really like us. So we went went from like...
5: Because you're less foreignly influenced.
6: Less foreignly influenced, plus um, we would sort of have a good time at the shows. <laughs> Smiling. Smiling is frowned upon. Um, like we used to rap over back in black and in excess kind of loops and kind of make it a bit fun as well and everyone saw that, that was really whack so pretty much the main kind of student community type radio station stopped playing our music and we stopped getting grants
4: Wait, so you guys are too commercial is that what happened at this point?
6: We, we were too commercial for the cool people yeah but we weren't commercial enough for the commercial yeah we were just sort of like hovering in this this n- no man's land yeah. and then universal said hey guys you're not selling enough records you're not getting enough radio play so it's probably time see you later this was after our album was released
4: your first album
6: or? Our first Well our first album With Universal But yes It was our first album um, There's a huge story Behind the making Of the album Which We we won't go into Right now Yeah For next um, time So then We said goodbye Universal and me Which was quite sad Because I didn't have A distribu- distribution Or anything anymore Hmm and I, I'd been working on my my first solo album. And it was pretty much already. And I was like, oh, bugger. I'm gonna have to like make sure we're at records proper. And it's like independent. I'm gonna get a distributor. So I spent um oh first I went round other record labels. In Auckland and got rejected by everyone and then
4: and this isn't for silent invisible is this for something no this is prior to that okay
6: so I tried to get some of my songs on some local compilations and made songs specifically for compilations that people invited me to um, submit to but I didn't get chosen for any So I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to make my own compilation with all of the songs that I've made for compilations, (laughs) plus other songs. And I'm going to sell it around cafes and shops. And the money I make from that will pay for the pressing of my new album. So I made this fake compilation and made up band names, different band names for each track. But it was all me and me and (laughs) other people. Uh, (laughs) I've done that with poetry before. (laughs) And then I I spent a few weeks, like I made up these CDs, but they were all um, burns with kind of photocopied covers, cardboard and stuff. And then I spent a few weeks just walking around cafes saying, would you like to buy this local compilation? blah 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 most people um said they'll want to hear it first so i just like leave it at cafes and then it, it, the, a few days later i'd go back around and say have you decided you want to buy it or whatever raised enough money to print that one properly because i thought once that this one's printed properly i can get it maybe a distributor more people want to buy it get it in the shops maybe Because the idea was that the cafe... Because I wasn't getting played on the radios, the next place that people were listening to music a lot are in cafes. That's where the whole concept came from. Because I used to live in a cafe as well there. (laughs) So the idea is that people are sitting around hearing the music, oh, what's this music? And then the cafe owner says, oh, it's this.
3: advice later attach the lifesaver while I burn old bridges made of wax and rice paper was steady on the guard and ready to go then I fell about a yard into the eddy below now the willow weeps into the rusty stream Below a stone and sleep is just a dream Tossing and turning the sheet is a bandage Crosses are burning, we are meat in the sandwich. dead bodies skewered on the branches of trees And a quest for more questions, which answers are these? Below the flow presses through the darkening seas Slow and progressive like Parkinson's disease Now we're the storm, the hill But the cold touch of dawn will never warm the chill Uniform thinkers wrote and formed a bill To promote more children being born to kill A passive child raised with connection to prayer Now I'm plagued with rejection and fear I was a happy little carefree country boy And my papa used to hear me jump for joy But you stole me so.
8: Placed in a maze, sign of the cage, shine a little more But I found this one, I made it mine Wrist slung to the cost there click my lullaby A lovely alibi, each of a pal of mine Number the name, wonder away, one bends and causes concern I had a cellmate, who never thought to return So now I sell space, a sign in the door To crying in the hordes with swords And the mines and the morgue, all kinds for the war Go war buying more with the store, united we stand Divided we fall, but we only stand united in a line at the mall, trying to scrawl. The number of the days that I spent here, while the craftsman strength and welded with in fear and a veneer, I can feel it calling in the breeze, seeds of descent, pollen indeed of all of the bees and birds of prey, they stay starved, trying to put it back together with card, a great card, and my face harder with blade scars, But I can't quite escape just yet, but I can't quite escape just yet, but I can't quite escape just yet.
2: We've got to get out of here.
4: stock in all these cafes ready for them to sell to their customers? No, there was no stock. Okay.
6: So after all that I I got a distributor um, because I don't know, maybe they thought I was getting a bit popular. (laughs) And then he distributed that cafe compilation and It didn't sell in shops, and I didn't raise enough money to print the next one. Which is your album? Which was my album, yeah. So I ended up just applying for grants continuously, and eventually I got a grant to mix and master that album. But I used the money to Mixmaster and press it. Because I'm clever like that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) More like midnight to 6am session?
6: No. It was with someone else but they kind of did a a cheap deal and there was enough left over to print the CD as well. Cool. And then that came out eventually and then around that time I moved back to Christchurch because Dark Tower had kind of starting to the stresses of all of the hatred kind of planted a bad seed in us
4: Yeah, I can imagine
6: and so we we made one final album it's called The Dark World and it's quite angry but it's also quite good and when I was in Christchurch I finished it without Eli being present and he got really angry Mm. about that and we didn't talk for a while but during the process of completing that album we did a call out for natural accent New Zealand rappers to feature all on one collaboration track like a pass the mic kind of thing yeah and we got a bunch of demos we kind of put it on the internet and word got around. So we got a a few demos and some people were not that good and some people were American. And in the end, Billy Wilson was pretty much the only good contender. He lived in Wellington at the time, so he came down to Christchurch to record his verse for that, that track. And we just got on really, really, really well. Like, we were supposed to have been mates all along. Yeah. And he had a bunch of other verses that he'd written. And I said, why don't we just record a whole lot of stuff? Or just all the stuff you have. And it can be like, we'll just make another song, a Billy Wilson song. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, cool. So we recorded this stuff. And it was really awesome and fresh.
0: Now, I've now listened to the first words spoken when man set foot on the moon for the first time in July 1969. Those are giant things. This is not an optical illusion. They appear to be here under
9: the surface. We, we saw some visitors. they lined up on the other side of the crater. Let us sound this orbital in 6525 automatic relay connected. This planet's a station for the planned incubation of vegetables, a massive nation of passive information receptacles. The genesis of the sectarian premises was for the benefits of a reptilian nemesis. Chemical weapon facility, genetic distillery, telekinetic ability to shepherd the killer be a device for breathing. In these seas of crisis. At the speed of light this life bleeds from my wrist. The legal fight of even ISIS agrees the prices for heeding evil advice with a salient manner. A globe plane with a banner titanium rain from the blow of a Homo sapiens hammer There's not a rock in the orbit There's not a rocket reported from the top of the caucus With a pocket thesaurus A proper cause and apocalypse chorus Still, and explosives blow the stone to a sandhill. Alone with the hand drill, the throne of man built on the bones of the mandrill. Flown off the handle, locked in a corset. Floor pins pop, earthquakes rock the
3: porcelain. Divorced from Orson, a forced orphan, dropped from mother ship and tossed to the four
9: winds. Holy shit! I, I hope we get out of here, love it, It's a miracle we survived the Van Allen belt, and now we got this. They're, they're definitely gonna have to restage this somewhere else. We, we cannot let them see this crazy shit. Gonna be a panic. What do we do, buzz? The board I, I say we order. Did you leave the microphone on? God damn you left the microphone on. Houston, can you classify that last recording? Uh. All the world
3: is gazing at the news and mute I've got a few pursuits and a new recruit See I'm making a spaceship in a lunar suit And a huge tube to hit me at the moon And shoot through the Bermuda hoop I've survived to tell I've done the loopy loop Through the eye of hell a high tech skip. In the back of my neck, back in a sec I have to crash a passenger jet Into that massive insect that is attacking your town A moon creature here to start tracking me down No mistake, I'm hacking the Canadian base Evading all traces of the fake Arabian face Radar on my waist and grenade in a case I'm being chased by shapeshifters of an alien race morphed here from fourth dimension to invade my cells I fear my course is forced suspension and vacating this shell the ship and tossed to the floor.
6: Started the process of making the f- first album, Billy Librosen album, with him.
4: Yeah, that's. I love that album. It's so good.
6: Yeah. Um. So around that time, also, I'd ha- i I'd, I had the distribution set up, and I really wanted to make she Be Right Records. This. New Zealand's own only natural accent record label, where everyone else who was kind of rejected by the system could come to me and I'll promote you. So it was quite hard to find rappers. Um, in the end, Billy Wilson it was really the only other rapper. <laughs> was released on she'll be right yeah wow um but I, i branched out into singers as well and kind of amassed maybe five or six different singers who were new zealand accent singers who also weren't getting funding or
4: radio play type stuff now, when you say New Zealand accent, you mean like sort of an obvious twang to their to their voice that made it New Zealand? Because I know like you've got like Casey Chambers in Australia who particularly sings an Australian accent, or like Missy Higgins. Like, <clears throat> how did you differentiate that?
6: It was, mm, it's difficult because it's not not overly. It's not the New Zealand version of, of an Oka singer. It's more how, you, how they pronounce the words and being aware of how they pronounce the words and being aware of themselves more rather than just going into this, um, this American singing mode, which is kind of normal, that we all do. So people who have made a conscious effort to break the mould um. Yeah.
4: You could hear it. You could tell. You can
6: hear it. It's more. You, well, you say chance, and dance, but we say dance and chance. So people who say dance, while they sing, should we write That's it. Or rhyme, instead of ram. That's not Australian. That's American.
4: Right. Rahm. And how is Billy Wilson received? Because, I mean, his flow is, is awesome, but his subject matter is uh Billy Wilson was basically ignored as well yeah, by New I Zealand
6: media, but really enjoyed by Australia. Hmm. And so I said to Billy, you and me have got to go to Australia. Um so, around that time, um, Jason MC Reason.
4: Yeah, yeah, Reason.
6: He um, the teacher, the Ks one of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> he he came to Christchurch and I organised a a gig for him, and we kind of hung out. and Billy Wilson came down, and we all performed at this gig, and then he he kind of hooked me up with pigs, and billy wilson's album and my one at the time which wasn't really a good example of my rap skills were distributed and released in australia by obese
4: yeah no share
6: and they were going to put out dark tower as well
4: and and when is this? Because like a beast didn't really blow up until Hilltop Hoods and this stuff. This is really. like two thousand seven. Okay, so two, like Hilltop and that two thousand six, two thousand seven. So this is around the time I, I would have met you. Is that when you, when you first came over and you uh, were with doing some stuff with pataphysics at the time? Or?
6: I know this was before before that. It's okay. roughly a year between that time and me actually moving here.
4: Uh, okay.
6: Maybe a bit longer.
4: Interesting. So Obese so, would have been doing quite well at the time.
6: Obese was doing quite well. It was when, yeah, it was hilltop hilltop Woods were quite well doing quite well, and also Muffin plutonic, yeah, first sure. album. Uh, but then everything kind of went weird with them, and I'm not really sure why. I I went to um, a pool party. They invited me to a pool party. And I wore these really funny swimming togs.
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> really tight bright orange <laughs> with blue trim swimming togs. The cool ones from the sixties. <laughs> this didn't go down too so well. Go, didn't go down that well. And it's kind of after that they started ignoring me. <laughs>
4: Well that because like one thing about Billy Wilson's lyrics is that like some of it seems openly homosexual and I've asked you about it before and I I'm still not entirely sure as to whether it's in jest or or there is some truth <laughs> to it. You seem to say it's in jest. But well w- <laughs> it's quite deep. It
6: it's more about um poking a stick. Yeah, into hip hop. Yeah. Or like hip hops the um the beehive. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah.
4: And a beast represents like the honey. Like it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, straight up Aussie hip hop. Like they've got some funny stuff on there. They, and Hilltop Hoods are, you know, were really good and all that sort of stuff. But they weren't exactly pushing gender issues no. and the boundaries of sexuality and shit like that.
6: Well, I also, I also think a lot of it is to do with, um a lot of me not fitting in anywhere is to do with that I don't actually fit in anywhere. <laughs> and I'm not kind of a bogan rapper, which a lot of Oz hip hoppers like they're just normal people who rap. Yeah. They're not um you know, specifically specially creative, unique um, Forward-thinking creationists, mm. or whatever, But you know.
5: Artists for one of yeah. Pretend-
6: they're not artists; they
4: they're just normal people who like hip hop and, and yeah. like rapping and like beats and want to rap with their mates and yeah. Don't want to don't want to stand out to like want to stand out for for their skill or technique, but don't want to stand out in a sense of um, they're
6: not trying to. um push boundaries that much and they're not trying to... I don't know. They're not spiritual.
5: Yeah, well, I guess there's this idea in the arts that uh, uh, maybe it requires certain sacrifices or a certain way of life in order to be able to create in in particular ways. There are general ways that everybody creates uh, every day, but then there are these other more specialised ways whereby You really, having a different perspective really does cost you something. Uh, Yeah, if you, because if you look at something, it changes. So if you look at life a lot, then your life has changed a lot more than someone else who doesn't really look at life. So it's harder then for those shapes to fit together. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I think I'm just rambling a little
4: bit. Yeah. But that was like that makes I, sense. I had a big issue uh, initially getting to hip hop because I mean I loved my hip hop and I was into Hilltop Hoods at the time, but um, I was uber political to start with, which is which is acceptable in Australian hip hop as well because you've got like the herd and and various things, um, but I definitely felt myself moulding myself and shaping myself to fit in with this with this slightly bogan, slightly aggressive, just generally like, it, it seemed to stay within the within the confines of I'm a good rapper and you're a shit rapper. Like, that's kind of the main idea of most of the lyrics. And and just, yeah, telling stories. I mean, I remember I wrote some raps recently, but just this idea that um, most rappers are actually kind of boring. Like, if all they're rapping about is themselves, unfortunately, because they're not, they're quite often not going... Deep enough into themselves to be, I guess, vulnerable or or talk about what they're actually feeling, rather than just being like, "I'm pissed off because life's shit," or you know, yeah. like they'll stay on this kind of surface area of of mundane life, um, which is which is interesting. Like it's cool if if you you play with the flow and play with the lyricism of it, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, you know, Hilltop Hoods, there's that track "Seasons Change." Um, not sure if you remember that one, but it's uh, pressure. Um, just doing this track about this guy who, you know, it's it's four seasons of his life and he goes to prison. Does it. so it's like really deep and really interesting shit. Um, but there's there's still, I guess, this whole uh, there's a there's a whole no go zone for for the, that for that crew, it seems. And Muffin Platonic maybe was kind of a like when you said Muffin Platonic, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of would have been around the time when you guys might have had an in because yeah. That's it's kind of the weirder side of of that scene, mm. uh, a little bit more um, self-deprecating, I guess. But still, there's a difference between self-deprecation and actually going Deep. deeper into yourself. Mm. Um, it's not just like I'm either good or I'm shit. Like it's yeah. There's other layers to it. But um, has that changed at all in in New Zealand or like because you say Billy Wilson did okay over here, but has there been any kind of you mean has Billy Wilson been accepted in New Zealand? Yeah, or um, have you? Or like, since doing Silent Invisible? Because I mean, I imagine that was a slightly different. So,
6: Silent Invisible took around three years to make, and this was going to be like, this is—it's still, I reckon, is my 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 best masterpiece.
4: It's really good.
6: Um, so I spent a lot. I spent a long time making this and it's going to be like, OK, this is, this is going to be the thing that the world is going to sit up and look at and be excited by.
8: Old people are afraid and young people too. Rich people are afraid and poor people too. Well people are afraid, and sick people are. All about us there in the thraldom of servile, enervating, down-dragging fear. And it doesn't need to be so. not surrender. God is with us. You must succeed, for to retreat is as cowardly as it is fatal. At the end of the war, it will be the destiny of the United
2: States and England alone to rule the world.
6: going to be the thing that the world is going to sit up and look at and be excited by Um, but it didn't it was like the biggest flop of my life and it was also really difficult to kind of be see to be that like huge failure And then I was like, fuck this, I'm going to Australia where people um, are way more open to accepting things that are a bit different. Um, So I moved here in hopes that I could release Silent and Visible here. And I set up a band to perform songs off it, which Pat from Pataphysics was the drummer and energy who's now in pedophysics he was the singer Um, and we did maybe five or six gigs and it was just really depressing kind of experienced the shitty the shittiness of melbourne Gigs of not getting paid much and doing gigs at venues where the people treated you like shit.
4: The staff or the patrons?
6: Yeah, the staff. Yeah. And
4: I basically just gave up after that. Because it's interesting because I've never experienced really anything other than this Melbourne scene so much. I mean, we've done some like tour stuff and, and gone to different places, but. It seems like a fairly standard vibe across the board. That um, yeah, it's like a, it, it's almost seen more of a privilege for you to be playing there mm. than for for them to have. And you've got to people. pay for your own posters and. Just is this different in New Zealand?
6: Well, I think you get a bit more money in New Zealand. I think there's a, a little bit more respect. Here it seems like they know that there's so many other bands mm. and if you don't take it then there's someone in the line next in line who will you know
4: yeah and i imagine they've been burnt a bunch of times before like all the venues in melbourne there's so much competition as yeah. well for the venues so you can imagine like how many times they've had people say they're going to bring shitless people in and so they've kind of developed a uh a default operating procedure which is assuming that they're being lied to and they're not going to have anyone mm. come through the door unless you're at that there's that break level it seems in Melbourne where they start giving you a, a bit more respect and you're able to charge money because they've seen you pull you know, yeah. hundreds of people in the door and blah, blah 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 but um
6: so and then I couldn't get a review in any street press because you've got to buy an ad
4: yeah what the fuck's with that that's retarded like and I'm like yeah but you're
6: missing out this is like a really good album yeah and I don't have any money to buy your ad so and then how do you keep getting these guys to come to rehearsals and gigs when there's not enough money to pay them and it's just kind of embarrassing and also um, I kind of started to feel a bit uncomfortable with The kind of content within my songs, performing them in bars where people are there to have a good time and drink, and Mm. they want to hear like throw your hands in the air and and it's Friday night, we're gonna let our hair down and
4: well, you know, Lonely Road isn't exactly a a a jump around banger. And I'm pretty sure I saw you play that at every, every game I saw you do. <laughs> Have you heard Lonely Road? Uh, no, I'll play, we'll, we'll play it in the podcast. It's like my all. most depressing song. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing. But...
3: Face down in the puddle, where's Jesus when you need him? This flash flood seizes my stuff and sinks my lifeboat Is it calling my bluff? Are these things on timecode? Once a child blowing troubles into bubbles setting them free But today these bubbles won't form like they used to They're letting me bleed, spreading disease I saw gland, obstetric problems, make a grinch of an old man. From breast to cradle, my mother loved me as kin. The rest is the favour the other shoved in the bin and threw me out on the street. The rest of the trash traded places with the cheap, and they blessed him with cash. That was then and now and fictions upon me confusion and time and space direction is on me I see a yard with children birthday party and cake everybody is laughing there's no hurt or heartache the candles are lit flames are dancing within I blow away the loneliness and the light
4: goes down.
6: that was written at the lowest point of my life pretty much
4: yeah you can tell hey <laughs> um but it's it's really interesting because yeah, I saw you I saw you play live, and um, your live show definitely didn't translate compared to the quality of that album. Like mm. when I heard when I listened to that album, like I was completely blown away. And and the um, it you were able to achieve something that I've always strived for in an album, which is that cinematic consistency uh, throughout. Like there's there's poetry um, throughout it, and um, and the beats themselves. Uh, set a scene like they all they all seem to set this real environment and that kind of thing and i've often um struggled with certain musicians because i tend to want them to give me a baseline as if like 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 we're creeping through an alleyway you know And they're like is that a b shop? or a g like what do you want me to do and um yeah it was really refreshing to see see that executed and um and just yeah like the whole thing's it's brilliant like it's really really good um, but seeing the live version of that and, uh, uh, we've spoken about this a bit in terms of, um, when you're trying to achieve that kind of thing, really like the visuals and the aesthetic and like the entire thing, uh, maybe even the support acts, you know what I mean? Um, really needs to support that. Like it really mm. needs to be a, a total, a total, uh, thing. Um, otherwise, yeah, people just don't know what the fuck do with it. They have no idea what yeah. they're in for and... Like we saw the the All Seeing Hand. True. Uh, do you know the All Seeing Hand? They're a New Zealand band. Um, that That's so racist. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand, you must know all New Zealand bands. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> forgive my my um, ignorant racism. But um, yeah, like the All Seeing Hand, they came and played at the Tote recently, and they all they did really was they're they're all wearing uh the same outfit which is like a black singlet um some kind of skirtish kind of thing i think almost like i remember what the pants were but it was like just pretty much a black singlet and like a pendant like an amulet pendant and around the band they had tea light candles just all around like in a little space and instantly like that created this vibe and this thing and the music's fucking insane i mean like they, they would probably go down reasonably well um Anyway, if the audience was prepared, but setting that scene turned it into something completely fucking different, mm. and it was, yeah, it was incredible and and yeah and really moving in in various ways. But um, yeah, I imagine it must be quite difficult for you to 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 um, wait. Like I imagine you were probably getting booked alongside you know like Pataphysics's band and other bands yeah. that have just more this kind of chill.
6: We did. I think we opened for Pez and Three Sixty.
4: You both hip hop, right? Like that's uh, yeah, the same thing, right? Beats, right? yes. raps.
6: And um, what's his name? Why not their friend? Anyway. Um. So what I really wanted to do after like experiencing that was like, I've got to get which was one of my original plans for the album, is to just have it play in a movie theatre with some kind of simple, repetitive film. Mm. of Maybe it's just a film of some trees or just clouds going by. Just film it for an hour and the same scene. So people just sit there watching the clouds go by and listen to the album. Mm. And then I thought... Um, about that I've got to do the album live in a theatre where people are sitting down and they're there specifically to see, to hear the music rather than at a gig where they're there to get drunk.
7: Mm.
6: And then I sort of looked into hiring um, or doing things in a theatre and it was just kind of too expensive.
4: Yeah, well that's really it's interesting because that would work i think for you i saw um sean do you know sean tan the writer artist he like he writes children's books and they're they're phenomenal like, they're beautiful mm-hmm. amazing children's books and one of his uh, books called the arrival was um projected like just the scenes the pictures of it were projected onto a big screen while um a bunch of sydney musicians played music accompanied to it Mm. and it was fucking amazing like it really worked and you could look at the band and the band were doing things but the band weren't directly engaging with the audience yeah and i think that would probably have helped yeah your your thing if you had like a visual kind of element to tell those stories in those scenes yeah but Hmm. probably not on the cards anymore i imagine no well it's a long time ago now but if it did happen it would probably have
6: to be somebody else organizing it and (laughs)
4: yeah. <laughs> sideward glances at me <laughs> <laughs> we
5: could organize some such thing yeah 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 for sure probably not because I have a philosophy I don't believe that people should have to pay for space uh, so if if I was gonna if I was I guess part of the trident of it I'd prefer to do it somewhere that we could just use the space for free mm. uh, like the amphitheater at, um, yeah, at the Boat
4: boathouse
5: yeah oh, the boathouse I really want to do a gig there um there's heaps of bridge areas in the city, like, behind the casino. Where we could easily set up projection and a whole bunch of, like, we can run battery-powered shit. Mm. Um, and just make it, like, an underground event. Like, oh Yeah, I reckon we should do it. Yeah. It'd be sick. Do, like, a compact version of the album. Do whatever you want. I like musically, but just in terms of the event, like, we mm. just have, um... Yeah,
4: I reckon we should do it, but anyway. We'll talk
5: about it after
4: yeah there's mm. so many ways you can do it i mean the album's fairly long isn't it it's like i think you did what i did and sort of got it fit like the maximum amount you can fit on a mm. cd yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny but once you take all the guest verses out oh yeah you,
6: like yeah a lot of the songs I'm just i just have one verse on mm. so if you make that one verse that's that's the scene for that set or that's mm. the it turns like a four-minute song into a potential one-minute.
4: Yeah, and that could that could totally work. So the too. whole thing
6: could end up being half an hour quite
4: easily, I think.
6: Cool. Even Sweet. with the poetry bits.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm actually getting quite excited about it. But um, it's funny, you just thinking about like the length of albums. It's um, so I've recently just released my album on Bandcamp, and the um, the most consistent feedback I've gotten from people is it's quite long. which i think implies a different kind of feedback as well um but it's interesting that like when i used to um get a cd like if i'd buy a cd off someone like niles barkley is probably my the example that pops in my head the most is I, i fucking love this cd this niles barkley i think it was the second one um but i really liked the cd and it was like 40 minutes long or something and like it's cool and all but like after 40 minutes, I want more minutes, like more songs. So I always had this sort of um, – I, I felt this like real uh, – what's the word? Not righteousness, but determination to to make a really fucking long album. And um, it's surprising how people um, – I mean, maybe if the album was was better or more, more to their liking, they wouldn't mind that it was as long as it was. But, it, but I do find it interesting that that would almost be something that people – wouldn't necessarily want or expect for it to be long. Mm. Like like if they're, yeah, people, and same with podcasting, for example, like a lot of people will say, you know, oh, no, you can't do like a two-hour podcast or a three-hour podcast or something. And it's like, you know, you can just pause it and listen to the rest, you know. Like it's not, um, people have this interesting way of looking at um, how they want to consume a, mm. a particular piece of of anything, I guess.
6: Yeah. And I think with a long album, there has to be lots of variation in it to keep, it's like making a film, you've got to have it interesting to hold people's attention all the time.
7: Mm
6: -hmm. Yeah. I've started doing shorter albums as well, just because people say the same things.
4: And so you went to Loops of Love, I believe it was after Silent Invisible, or was there something? Because I know you went like Uber, conspiracy. Um, That Loops of Love,
6: pretty much I, when I moved to Australia, I said I made a pact with myself that I wasn't going to write any more music and I wasn't going to promote myself um, in the ways that I did in New Zealand to try and get on the radio just focus entirely on a live thing. And if people liked it, they liked it and that's great. But so, and I'd pretty much given up, um, writing music because I was going to just going to focus on performing because creating takes a lot of time. Mm. So I was going to hone my performance. Um, and then I met Devika and started writing songs for her and making bits of music. Um, the times that we weren't hanging out together, when well, I'd be sitting at home, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll make it some music. Yeah. So I ended up making enough, well, a whole body of work, which became an album once um, she agreed to having these deep and meaningful stories shared with the world
4: yeah was that was that not um was she hesitant to at first well it wasn't
6: originally going to be anything but a project that for her and i mm. um yeah but it evolved into that and got some of probably maybe some
4: of my best reviews in new
6: zealand wow. of anything
4: and your, I remember your launch for that was back to the cafe style because you just you had uh, art on the walls that were for like associated to each track, and you just had the track on uh, you had the album on loop, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in the space,
6: the concept was more focused around yeah the artwork rather than doing a performance.
4: Did did you make the artwork or did Devika make it? Devika
6: made the artwork. There's one there's one picture that relates to each track.
4: Mm.
6: Yeah. All bound up in loops of thread, and all the uh, pictures relate
4: in some way to a loop.
7: Hmm.
4: Is that a more a uh, circle? Was that a more enjoyable way of putting it out there than previously in Melbourne? Like, did you, yeah, did you get more satisfaction out of doing it that way, or yeah, I did because I didn't have to concentrate on,
6: I didn't have to. Have that nervous thing for, of performing, and it's it was more just a social thing. Like we've made this thing come and hang out. You can take a CD home, or you can buy a picture, rather than trying to. I don't know. Performing is sort of like selling a product in a way, isn't it? You're either selling the desire for them to come back and see the same thing again or you're selling a song that they can take home so it was taking that taking that selling music type thing out of it and having it just focused on the visuals and the concept
4: well it's it's interesting you say that because um, like I've had periods in my life where I've kind of focused more on music being a career like when I originally started rapping I I sort of had this idea that that was probably one of the more I don't know one of the better chances I had I guess at pursuing this thing and and making it work Um, but since getting into Tzu therapy and that kind of stuff I've always I haven't really thought about music in terms of of making money Um, and so performance for me I guess well when I think about it realistically if I'm honest like with the squid squad uh, there was this idea of every gig yeah, you were kind of... It wasn't just about that gig. It was about the next gig and the next gig. Like There was always this forward sort of thinking, thing. Um, even though within each performance, I wanted that performance to be great. And I wanted that to be the... Um, yeah, but um, it seems a little bit sad that, um, that a performance would be reduced to either selling this or selling that. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, surely there's... Um, yeah, there's some other aspect to it that... Uh, yeah
6: i guess um i've always kind of struggled with like i've never had a a day job
7: Hmm.
6: so the the time i spend is thinking about how am i gonna pay for rent next week or what am i gonna do and it's always trying to focus my creativity into generating some kind of feedback and hopes that I can survive, (laughs) yeah.
5: just went the other I mean I I think we're in very similar kind of situations um, in a lot of ways but I I just went the other way whereby fundamentally I just accepted the fact that I would never have anything Um, and that a whole bunch of uh, a whole a whole variety of avenues of life I can see very well but I can never experience myself I haven't very much a virtual life Uh, because you don't want to experience them no no just because I don't have money like yeah if you've got heaps of money, you can fly it and see the pyramids. Otherwise you can look at them on the internet, you know, <laughs> like uh, I have a virtual life, uh, but it does mean that I, I've never had to consider, um, my, yeah, like try, trying to get feet feedback in that way. Uh, yeah, but I don't know at the same time, I'm a bit envious because I think that that force, that gives you m- momentum and impetus. Uh, I think it was George Lucas It was one of those um, block, but like mega, mega dudes. I think it was George Lucas. Uh, He was really poor and uh, he had this kind of independent idea about um, art and filmmaking and such. And then uh, I think his wife got pregnant or he got married. There was something which meant that now all of a sudden he needed money. And uh, I think three weeks later, he sold, he sold his first film and he just started like just gave him creative impetus because he needed he needed something out of his creativity uh, other than creativity itself. Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's the positive side of it, that it, it keeps you moving. I'm just reading Richard Branson's autobiography.
6: <laughs>
4: uh, <who> Richard Branson? <laughs> well, it's, it's his... But uh, half his namesake. <laughs> uh, Richard Branson is the uh, CEO, I guess you'd call him, of Virgin. So he's the the richest, radical entrepreneur in the world. Mm. He's an interesting guy? Um, Pretty interesting
6: beginnings. Mm. I think he, he doesn't say it, but I think that he comes from a wealthy kind of background or a background that doesn't worry about money. There's always something to fall back on if you fail kind of thing. But what is interesting, which most people don't really i've never heard it talked about or think about but all along he's had these really close friends and all of the ventures has been have been collaborations and i think that's why they're successful because the people who are good at doing their part like he's good at coming up with the idea but the other people are good at um yeah and um, running other aspects of the businesses. And I think that's why um, a lot of the things that I've tried to do um, have failed because it's only me trying to do it. And if I'd had a close friend or, you know, businessy kind of partners who had the same visions, I think that is a much stronger kind
5: of way of doing things are you familiar with the e-myth uh it's this book i think it's from the it's from a while ago now but it's this idea that uh most small businesses fail because they don't operate as an enterprise it's somebody who's really good at something so they have technical skills uh but they just work within the business as a technician so so the thing doesn't actually have these other roles in it it's just got someone who does something really well and they're just trying to do that thing and that's all they really want to do Mm. whereas for an enterprise to be successful you have to work on that thing itself not the thing that rolls inside of it but but it, it in of itself and if you don't have people pushing that along then all you get is a really small circle inside it and then it, yeah it's, it doesn't matter how good that circle is it doesn't have momentum to push it into the world Uh so it's really hard in the arts because there are so many people who are really creative but yeah like they don't care about that ball rolling or whatever and mm. uh, but some, it has to be done. It's it's part of the thing. Uh, yeah, I, I hate it myself. I mean, that's why I chose the path of failure. But um, it's not failure. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, totally. Is well, it's it's even sidestepping success and failure, I guess. But yeah, it's just it's much easier to to explode the ball rather
4: than to roll it. Mm. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot recently in terms of you know I've got about. You know 15 odd things that I want to do right now and there's like podcasting and music and and various projects and I can do it all myself like right now I'm sort of in a position where I'm like oh well I'll, 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 maybe I could even do the art myself or I'll make the website myself these various things but um, in the back of my mind I'm like surely there's a way to create these enterprises like um, there's a lot of people out there who say to me like oh, I I envy people who have hobbies you know, I envy people who, uh, who know what they want to do with their life. Um, and there. so there's, I, I feel like hopefully there's this untapped potential of human beings that, that want to be part of something creative and beautiful. Um, but just haven't been asked to help yet. And their skills, like you said, might be completely unrelated to the creative creativity itself, but, but even just to be associated to it, um, like, a, a, or ex-friend of mine, um, you know, he he just wanted to be around it. He would do any, he would help in any way. Uh, he didn't necessarily have the skills to help in the ways that were needed. But um, yeah, I wonder, like I've often thought about students, for example, like tapping into student uh, students in universities and tapes and stuff like that, because we're talking, especially with these creative things, like they're not necessarily going to make money for anyone. And I mean, you could change that focus and, and say, okay, let's actually do an enterprise to make some money and, and bring these people together. And, um, you might, it might succeed in that way. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering how you balance that line between, um, your vision and something that's going to fulfill you and something that's going to fulfill. Everybody in the thing, because mm. I imagine a lot of people are happy to get involved with something uh, if they think it's nice and beautiful, but there tends to be this bitterness or resentment um, six months to a year down the track when they realize I'm just doing this for just, them. I'm just the lucky. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that I think the relationship
6: has to be there has to be a mutual respect and a similar vision. And like I was thinking, probably. S- um, someone like Billy, if he was involved in the record label and had a passion for the same thing, that mm. probably would have worked quite differently.
5: Yeah, and I think the world is changing a little bit. Um, it's I don't know. See, because you say it's not; these things are not necessarily related to the artistic process, but I, I think... Uh, from a certain point of view, everything is artistic process and, and problem solving is itself uh, art. And I, I remember the first time I went to a dentist and as I went back on the chair, the dentist had put paintings on the ceiling. and it, like it was just this beautiful thing, like they really thought about my experience and, and yeah. they were taking care of me not just in my mouth, but in, in my whole experience. Mm. And so if you like like Pablo, he, he loves music. And he has his band and his band plays, but he really loves promoting other bands because he loves music and he wants other people to see it. Mm. And he's creative in the way that he does that. So there's this way of approach, you know, like you can just approach it artistically, uh, every every side of it. You can a- approach it in this holistic way. Mm. And in that way, the people who are doing things which aren't necessarily performative, they're still having this massive creative expression and there are these deep conceptual things that, that are
4: going on. Uh, yeah
5: it's different it's different
4: now. so it's about framing their experience like giving giving perspective or uh, an understanding of the experience so that it it doesn't feel like people are just you know achieving certain things they have a freedom they have a creative expression yeah. as to to why they are important and and part of this thing yeah, and and tapping into the i guess the the
5: fundamental principles of it or the thing that it's about you know like in a in a say a monastery there are there are people who are teaching and who are doing these things, and there are other people who are sweeping the floors and cleaning the toilets and such. And mm. um, But cleaning the toilets is no less of a, an experience in a monastery than teaching mm. or than, than having a book published or something like that. There, it's all equal. It's just whether or not you do it with awareness or whatever whatever the things that you're trying to achieve. And, yeah, so I think that can be done in, in terms of a, any kind of enterprise. You can make it holistic and you can make it... Uh, uh, about itself, so it enhances itself in yeah. all its parts.
4: Mm. I don't know. I'm hoping that's where we're headed. Yeah, and it's easier when there's a spiritual connotation to it. Like it's easy to say to somebody, uh, "Service for the ashram, service towards some ideal awareness, for example, mindfulness." They they have this inherent knowledge that this is positive and beneficial to them, regardless. Um, so, it'd be you'd have to have a specific, a really certain type of crew to um have that same approach to art and and succeeding in, in music and that kind of thing mm, yeah maybe
5: or or maybe people just need to love what they do like oh sorry we'll get a little bit um spiritual in inverted commas uh there's this famous story of a uh, the enlightenment of uh, one of the poets of india uh he was hanging out with his teacher and uh his he was doing his teacher's books you know in the east you you your teacher works you like a slave, uh, but he was doing his teacher's books, and he made a mistake, and he lost so, the equivalent of something like five bucks or something like that. So he was going over and over his teacher's books all night, all night. He was trying to find this mistake, and just as dawn, uh, just as the his teacher was getting up for early meditation or something, he found the mistake, and he was so happy that he'd solved this riddle. Uh, that he was ecstatic he was jumping around his teacher said to him if you could pursue like your spiritual shit with the same intensity that you pursued that five bucks or whatever that you lost on your pages you'd you'd get it like that like Mm. it's just we yeah like there's something there are some things that you love to do you know certain certain puzzles that you love to solve or certain tasks that you like certain ways that you like to make things uh yeah and if you can work out ways to slot that that style of thinking or that style of of decision making into whatever it is you're trying to achieve then that's art and you'll like it'll spin and and you'll you'll grow from it um yeah but i think i sound like a preacher now so i'm gonna shut the fuck up Mm. (laughs) oh deep man
4: (laughs) (laughs) heavy
3: Sometimes, See, I could be dragged under, or you could offer some rhymes So show me some sunshine other than our solar star Cos every corner I turn is churning dark pins of coal and char And all these stolen hearts just die and fold in half With one choice, bow down to the golden calf darkness at every corner Lost jewels are part to blame, sparks living every morning But no fuel to start the flame, that light at the end of the tunnel Is just an urban myth cos madness is the only escape from the things we're burdened with As the curtain lifts some this view through curtain water I've not ordered a thing for from this new world order There's no bread dips and avocado with olive tapenade Only freedom ships and embargoed and monocrats in charge A right state of affairs on common sense is in the left wing It's so obvious, have you ever heard someone who was tone deaf sing? And why would someone be so keen to jump into a troop? We all know butted up soldiers get dunked into the soup Violent cops and exposes have had a nice clean drop The news used to boast the same slogan as the ice cream shop scoop in town now the boats closed down there's no liberty Come and get your chips And move along and there's no sunshine But you should use your lips And prove me wrong There is still sunshine Coming in your
1: life There is still sunshine Just a the corner There is still sunshine Coming
0: in your life There is still sunshine That's what they say to me The rays. The touch in my wounded face got me pondering the contradictions of this human race. When I open my mouth to get this beat lace, it's a heat wave. But behavior comes in two distinct flavors. We use or misuse the tools the universe gave us. We all make the choice to love or hate our neighbors, to lift ourselves up or wait for someone else to save us. And if that's the case, then you'll probably wait for ages. Flipping through the pages of my notepad, these words illuminated the days when I thought that I'd go mad from the hatred and closed minds. It's like hung over eyes. Peeking out from behind those closed blinds, and I suppose I've been guilty of the same thing. Felt the same sting, the urge to play the same string as every other body in free fall. But with my free form, I hope to reform the widow of opportunity. Man, to this globalized virus, it seems there's no immunity. Two dollars an hour putting unions under scrutiny. Big Brother is now live. Children posing under streetlights are hoping to get picked up just to be live for 15 minutes. Surely there's more in it for me, you, and in fact, my whole crew. Not to mention all those peeps that i never met too so tell me what the fuck am i supposed to do
7: there is still sunshine coming in your life
1: there is still sunshine One,
8: two,
1: three. there is still sunshine coming your life
3: light beam from the bright side of the storm cloud or is it an insincere pipe dream forged to keep the cogs of false freedom turning all the way to the promised land of fool's paradise where eden's burning
1: is there still sunshine coming in your life is there still sunshine
3: that's what i asked them
1: is there still sunshine
3: and they reply there is still sunshine Let's go.
4: Well that's it for part one, uh, we'll be releasing part two in the not too distant future. If you're interested in checking out Trillion, like I said at the start of the show, you can go to NZ Trillion on YouTube and uh, find out what he's been up to and check out the perfect frequency. So most of the music from today's episode was obviously from Jody, but uh, in the background you might have heard some DJ Wasabi, Rena Jones, uh, a bit of Leon Tussie's uh, album The Golden Thread, and so, if you're interested in tracking down any of these artists, I've got links to them all in the show notes on the website. Or you can hit me up. My email address is shiatsu.link@gmail.com. gmail.com. So, if you want to find out, I'll, I'll put you onto those artists. So, go to incalot.net and uh, you'll find other podcasts and you'll find all my music, free downloads and that kind of thing. So, so, check it out. There'll be new uploads as the year rolls on. And I'll leave you now with a bit of my favorite graphic novelist, Mr. Alan Moore. Uh, talking about celebrity, the um, the quest for fame in the modern world and some of the pitfalls of it. Some good advice for all those creatives out there who are who are seeking to do the same.
2: I realised that I was becoming a celebrity, which was nothing that I'd ever expected, given that comic writer was about the most obscure profession in the world when I actually entered the job. The thing about fame is that fame, in its current sense, had not really existed before the 20th century. Back in previous eras, even if you were very, very well known, that would perhaps be amongst a thousand people at most, if you were Pope or somebody. In the 20th century, however, with these massive surges in communication, suddenly a different sort of fame was possible. And I tend to think that what fame has done, it has replaced the sea as the element of choice of adventure for young people. If you were a dashing young man in the 19th century, you would probably want to run away to sea. Um, Just as in the 20th century, you might decide that you want to run away and form a pop band. The difference is that in the 19th century, before running away to sea, you would have had at least some understanding of what the element was that you were dealing with and you would have perhaps, say, learned to swim. The thing is that there is no manual for how to cope with fame. So you'll get some otherwise likable young person who has done one good comic book, one good film, one good record, who is suddenly told that they are a genius and who believes it and who runs out sort of laughing and splashing into the billows of celebrity and whose heroine sodden corpse is washed up a few weeks later in the shallows of the tabloids i'd never signed up to be a celebrity and I came to the realization that it was nothing that I was very comfortable with. I realized that celebrities are a kind of an industry, they're a kind of a crop. Um, Media moguls like Rupert Murdoch or people who run the big networks, they need a constant stream of celebrities to fill column space in their magazines, to fill time upon their TV shows. And because celebrities tend to burn out quickly, You have to constantly create new ones and I really didn't feel that I wanted to be part of that process and so withdrew to the relative obscurity of Northampton.